Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world. And welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast. My name is Matt Hudson from what I watched tonight. And joining me as ever from across the pond, he's a statesman to my kingsman. It's John Burke from Burke Reviews. How are you, my friend? I'm doing pretty good, Matt. How are you this uh, evening? Uh, I am very well. Guess what? Weather talk. It was nice when I came on. We, Me and John, we speak off air because we're friends. Uh, and then just now I can hear the pitter-patter of rain and it's now turned into a what I'd call a monsoon. Other people would just call a bit of a downpour. So it's, oh, uh, it's, I love recording when it's like this. It's, it's coming into summer here in the United Kingdom, but you wouldn't know that. I love recording when it's dark outside, when the rain's coming down. I don't know. If, I don't know. It feels right. But, uh, that aside though, I'm okay. I've got a big old, a big old vat of coffee here and I'm ready to talk some film. But before that, I need to know how you are and how Florida is. Wait, wait, wait. You're drinking coffee? Yeah, it's kind of decaf. Well, it is decaf. But well, actually, no, it's a cappuccino. But I've put decaf coffee in it, so it's a decaf cappuccino. That's, I'm I'm still surprised. You usually drink tea. Um, I'm drinking an iced coffee. Oh uh, man, I love a I coffee. Got, I do. Yeah, I got a coconut milk um, uh, iced coffee with toasted almond um, like syrup in it. So it's got God like a damn. chocolate removed almond joy vibe kind of thing going. <laughs> um, I like it. It's uh, it's from the old. Double D, uh, thanks to uh, a, a very generous gift card I was given from one of my seniors, which I'll talk a little more about that later on. But yeah, um, I did swing into Duncan on my way home today. Uh, and um, it's, you know, I, I like to mix it up. This was they were given bonus points for this. And I'm a big fan of coconut milk in general. So I was like, yeah, this sounds like the right the right coffee for our hot uh, afternoon that's here in Florida right now. Sounds good to me, mate. Sounds absolutely wonderful to me. I'd love the weather to be perfect over here so I could actually have a nice coffee and feel like it's the right weather. But every time I consider going to Costa or Nero or something over here, the heavens open. So I saw a TikTok earlier on. Tell me you're in the UK about telling me you're in the UK. And someone just posted a picture of people eating outside at a restaurant with snow in May. And oh man, welcome to the United Kingdom. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> but um, that's our weather report as... Uh, keen listeners to the show know we always open up uh, with the weather in our respective countries but we're not here to talk about that so if you do like weather i guess stay 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 with us you'll like what we've got to talk about but notice the bloody awesome movie podcast where we talk about the most interesting or biggest movie release of the past week and we dive into it in a non-spoiler fashion and oh boy this week the biggest movie that came out wasn't on streaming, John, for the first time in forever. I don't know how long, since the end of last year, maybe, I don't know. We are talking about Spiral from the Book of Saw, I think it's called now. Uh, directed by Darren Lynn Boozman, written by Josh Stolberg and Pete Goldfinger. Goldfinger. And wow. it stars Chris Rock, Samuel L. Jackson, uh, Max Mingella, Morgan David Jones, Ali Johnson, Dan Petronajevic, Um And it's... The synopsis reads, a criminal mastermind unleashes a twisted form of justice in Spiral, the terrifying new chapter from the book of Saw. Now, let's see how the critics rated this. 37% on RT critic score, 39 meta score, 6.0 on IMDb user score. So IMDb thought this film was fine. If, as for the critics, not happy about this at all, or certainly not on the positive side. And as I mentioned, released in theatres. In theatres. Now, usually what would happen here is we'd give our... we take it in turns to give our thoughts, but JB hasn't been to the theatre 
I don't know how long it's been. Oh, I what do. is it like walking <laughs> down the aisle, man? Uh, well, um, it was it was nerve wracking at first. So the last movie I saw in theaters was in March of 2020, and it was Bloodshot, the Vin Diesel failed comic book franchise. Um, <sighs> and I I've been vaccinated for over a month, and I've been meaning to get to the theater, but the my local theater still has not reopened, although it is reopening in two weeks. Um, officially for the quiet place too. That's when it's uh, official reopening is. Um, yep. and I'll be able to go much, much easier. I'm just hoping that it stays kind of empty. But, uh, so I had to drive 30 minutes, um, to the nearest theater that I w- was comfortable going to. It did have reserved seats. I picked the back row, uh, has a pillar that divides the row. So I purposely sat next to the pillar and then, uh, they were doing buy one, get one free ticket. So I also got the seat next to mine for free. Good um, man. That way I was guaranteed if anyone tried, they at least had a, I at least had a cushion of one seat on either side. Um, and I went to a 12 o'clock show. So it was super early, uh, 12 PM. Um, and I made it a little day, but I had to take my daughter to work. So I got out to the area where the theater was. I had lunch, spent way too much money at Chipotle. Didn't realize all the upcharge stuff because I don't <laughs> usually eat at Chipotle. Um, cause they, they were just like, do you want this? I'm like, yeah, sure. Do you want this? I'm like, yeah, sure. And then oh, it's no. like $16. I'm like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> wow. I didn't too late. know there was chart. Yeah, it's too late at that point. I mean, I could have, I guess, just completely walked away and bit, and gone somewhere else. But <laughs> it was good. I just wouldn't have paid sixteen dollars for what I got. Um, no. I could have made it for like four bucks. But um, anyway, I got into the theater. I was a little, you know, I wasn't sure what to expect when I walked in. There was nobody there. There was one dude at the the register. They they're not even selling tickets at the normal ticket counter. They're selling them at the concession stand because there are so few people coming. They can't justify having employees all over the place. Um, but I had pre prepaid my tickets and they didn't, they didn't have anyone there to take a ticket yet. Um, because it was just opening. Like it was like the first movie and, uh, they seemed shocked that there was a person there. So that was a good sign, <laughs> um, for me, it's not a good <laughs> sign for you. theaters, yeah. a good sign for me. Um, and, uh, so I got to the movie. Um, I was alone for the first, uh, for all the trailers and the first 10, 15 minutes. And then two people did show up and oh, they wow. did sit in the back row. which but they were on the other end at least so uh there was a lot of separation and as far as i could tell Mm. they were wearing masks i did wear my mask still despite being vaccinated because that is the right thing to do um i did also before i went to the movie i did stop at uh a store that's called five below they like everything in the store is like five dollars or less or at least that's the conceit kind of thing Mm -hmm. yeah and they have uh like individually packaged candy um 10 for a dollar so i did get like three twizzlers and three uh, or th- uh, four um, Sour Patch Kids and like, and they're like bigger than normal Sour Patch Kids, but they're still like individually wrapped. And then like three or four Swedish fish enough to equal 10. My math is definitely off <laughs> there, but, um, and I didn't eat all of them, but I had like one or two before the other people got there. Um, and then I was good for the rest of the movie, but um, not, I apologize concession stand for not buying concessions, but one, I, I can't eat a lot of candy uh, on my current, calorie count so i I didn't want to buy like a five dollar box of sour patch kids that i would only want to eat one or two of but would inherently eat all of um (laughs) and i was going to get a drink but when i when i was looking at the prices it's been a while since i bought a drink at a movie theater and they're so expensive you don't realize dude if absence makes the heart grow fonder but it makes your wallet bigger yeah so i was like i guess i don't need a drink so i didn't get a drink uh this trip um but I, I, you know, overall it was, it was great to be back. Um, yep. I got real excited when I was pulling up to the parking lot and knowing I was going to watch, uh, a movie 
on the big screen. And I, I started to tear up a little bit on the way there. Um, I thought I might cry when I actually got there, but I, I did not. Um, but I was, I was super excited to be back. And uh, I, 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 you know, I hope that it gets to stay open, man. A, yeah. a year. I know of all of the other hardships that real, like that really hurt people. Mine is, is so stupid, but mm-hmm. for me, movie theaters have been my, my home for a long, yep. like for as long as I can remember, but especially the last five years I have lived in movie theaters. Like I have gone to so many movies over the last five years. It is the thing I love to do more than anything else. And I do, I feel more comfortable in a movie theater than I feel in almost any other social scenario. And losing it for a year was hard. Uh, again, obviously I'm, I'm not in any way equating what I went through to what, like someone who lost somebody to COVID or lost oh, their shit. job or whatever. But as fortunate as I was, this was my loss and I, it was great to get the opportunity to go back. And I, I, I hope I don't lose it for, uh, for another pandemic or the big fear. I hope I don't lose it for them just failing, right? Like that they just yeah. can't recover. Um, yeah. But there's, you know, there's that man. But well, I'm so glad you got to go back, man. And just the idea of walking down the aisle, the real aisle, come on, and seeing the trailers and the lights go. Oh man, it's exciting, isn't it? I'm so glad to have them back. And yeah, we we wouldn't ever sit here and say, look, oh man, the worst part of this pandemic was we couldn't go to the theater. But to us, it was a big deal. Obviously, we've we've all suffered, both of us included, throughout this. But it's nice cinema is comfort we're saying off air film is comfort film can do so many wonderful things to you uh, and the cinema is part of that and to have it back is to have it back is great it's a sign that we're on the right track and long may that continue but there's a long road ahead still it's one of those things where we, we've all kind of got to go to the theater to keep them going but at the same time we can fully understand why people may not want to rush out to the theater but um whether people would rush out to go and see spiral though was the big question what i can say is it hasn't done well at the box office made about nine million give or take 8.7 uh opening at the box office which is even fairly low even in pandemic standards but so people aren't rushing out to see spiral they probably see those uh rotten tomato scores and think damn this doesn't look good it should uh, again, be noted though that it did. It is the number one movie in the box office, despite that low. It is the number one. I mean, it didn't. It, what it opened up against, I'd imagine I would expect it to wipe the floor with. But I think Lionsgate probably would have expected it to take in at least get to double figures, at least get to 10, 11 million, and yeah. think, okay, we can work with that. I think the lowest grossing uh, opening weekend for a saw film was fourteen million before this, but. Um, so the critics don't like this film. What do we as critics think? And the non-spoiler fashion, I think this film is solid. I don't think this film's great. I really don't think this film is awful either. Um, I thought it was okay. There's a lot of flaws in it. There's a lot of co- plot contrivances. And I don't mean, oh, look, they're in a trap. How do they get in it? I mean, there are f- a few things around those traps, um, which you think, ah, there's, a, there's a one towards the end. Where I think well, that was... So ever so slightly convenient there but um i didn't think this was awful i i i like the direction that chris rock and co tried to take this in they tried to make it feel a bit different with the the first feeling of the first saw sprinkling of the others but also trying to do something different i don't think that this is a radical departure from saw the franchise i really don't i, I was watching this and this is called a standalone film within the Saw yeah. universe. It's not, it's not connected. It is connected. It's set. It's in the universe. You know, John Kramer has mentioned yeah. 
Uh, that's no spoiler. It's Saw, but it's not. You know, it's it's his own thing. And but I it's still not feel directly connected yeah, to Kramer. Yeah, don't really go looking for any major Easter eggs from the other eight films or seven, eight, seven, eight films. But um, but I still felt like this was a Saw film. They uh, they tried to take it in that detective thriller seven esque tone and. At a certain points, I thought, you know, they, if they pulled us off, this could be pretty good. But I thought it was fine. I didn't, I didn't dislike it. I thought the traps, some of them were inventive and frankly horrific. I really do think that for the traps, which are the hallmark of Saw films now, I think 90% of them, they got spot on. People who go to see these, I think, will be very happy. I thought Chris Rock was fine in his, um, in his dramatic role. Everyone around him was okay. It felt a bit cliche at times, you know, the whole, mm. the cop scene felt a bit, you know, uh, cookie cutter. I like the score. I like the soundtrack. Um, I like the length of it. It's just clocking it about 90 minutes. Uh, I thought, and again, no spoilers here, but the ending, it was kind of very abrupt. I was like, oh, geez, is that the ending? Okay. That was it. Okay, I, I get it now. They, they were going for the vibe of the first film, but um, I, I did like this. I had issues with it though. I had issues with it. I wouldn't give it a 37% an RT. I would give it a 50% an RT, which is a straight five out of 10. Call me sitting on the fence, but I am. I didn't think it was awful. I didn't think it was great. I just thought it did what it needed to do pretty well. It's nothing new, but I had a few issues with quite a few of the plot elements in it. But um, JB, are you, are you with me? You're above me or are you with the critics on this? I am with the critics on this uh, for yeah. sure. The biggest trap that the movie offers is they fell into it themselves, trying to make this a gritty cop drama <laughs> because the, all they did was watch a bunch of, I think maybe reruns of law and order and write down various lines that police yeah. officers say, yes, and then cram them contrived. in. Everything felt generic or really like, like that's not real at all. Um, mm-hmm. I can't get into specific lines, but there is a moment where for whatever reason they are more suspicious of something that has been a plot device throughout the film. And the lines that come out of the officer's mouths in that moment feel so wrong and dumb. And it's like, are we, are we trying to make this feel like it's just a trope machine? Cause there's nothing original. And I was all in on this idea of like a gritty cop drama saw. Yep. Um, oh, I yeah. love, I love Zodiac, which I know is based on a real story. Yeah. And I love seven. Um, and this movie doesn't even feel like it's trying to be those as much as it like saw it once and then decided it could do it, you know, cliff note version, you know, like Mm, we, okay. And the other thing where I feel like there's a tonal inconsistency is kind of with rocks character, not necessarily his performance, but his character, because there's a lot of things we're told that don't add up collectively. One I won't even say how we initially meet the character, but he's <laughs> he, he's immediately brought into the, the captain's office and chewed out again, very tropish, right? Like this rogue officer getting chewed out, but everything that's said in that scene is feels wrong and it doesn't make any sense. But more before we get to that scene, I think Chris Rock was working out new stand-up material because he does like five minutes on why Forrest Gump wouldn't work today. It felt I, I thought exactly the same. I I found it funny, but I also felt like yeah. this this feels like a routine that he's practicing. It's spot, it's spot on, man. Yeah, and I'm like, but what? Why is that in this movie? Because nothing about that character has a sense of humor. 
Like this guy's got a chip on his shoulder. He's he's bitter. He's angry. And then he's but he's got when he I know he's acting in that scene. Like the character is acting in that scene. Yeah. But that doesn't make you a stand up pro. Like it's it doesn't make you Chris Rock. And that's what we're getting. And I'm just like this is so off. Unless that was going to be like a weird kind of comedy or B horror. And it doesn't lean into that either. It, that's the problem. It doesn't really seem like it has a clear message of what the movie is trying to be. Now, if you are in a saw movie strictly for the traps, the first trap, which is free to watch. And I watched live on the episode last week <laughs> um, is pretty great. Like it's, it's horrifying. Uh, again, the officer's dressed like he's from another era for some reason. I don't try to or something. <laughs> any of the, yeah. Um, but the actual like trap itself is inspiring as far mm-hmm. as like, wow, this isn't one I've seen before. It's a variation to a degree, but it's still like, it was brutal. Um, and then the actual uh, end of that trap is nuts. Like uh, it's shocking. Right. Yeah. Um, I think they, they don't, they get worse throughout the film. Yeah. And that maybe that happens sometimes where you, you give your best action set piece to the beginning of the movie and everything else feels less. Um, I think the second one is also pretty innovative that involves fingers. Cause I've never seen that before. Oh, and it was, damn. Like, um, that's a new, new take on there's, that. There's one that has waxing, which I thought was horrific. Yeah, it was, except it was also redundant because it was a, another version of like, because the the one with the fingers, he's got water dripping on him too. And then this one is again, it's like, okay, well, it's just kind of the same perspective. It is horrific. And the, the reveal is pretty scary, but I don't feel like it's, I don't know. It didn't feel as innovative as the other two. And then it also, I also don't understand exactly what, what, how that was set up. Cause it looked like he was using things that were already there. I'm like, why would that be there? Why would, why do they have hot wax mm. in the evidence room? <laughs> in that, the basement. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, there's a couple other traps that they definitely don't feel as, as innovative. Um, and some of like the traps don't, they don't stay on screen very long. You know what I'm saying? Like they're, they're rapidly edited. Uh, That's a good point. And they feel like as in the 90 minute runtime, I don't remember which saw is like the, the whole, like they wake up and there's a bunch of people in like a escape mansion, essentially. Um, I think it's like two or three that, that I think that one was the most innovative with the traps mm-hmm. of the ones that I remember. I think um, that was three, I think. The first one's the best one, but it's it's because there's only one trap, really, right? Like, and it's mm-hmm. the whole movie's the trap. Everything after that becomes more of like a, a carnival house of traps. And of course, yeah. get, some are really lame, some are pretty cool, but they're they they are usually the the main draw. And then they do the Steven Soderbergh Ocean's Eleven kind of reveal at the end to like, aha, you thought it was this, but we did all these things that you didn't see and had no way to possibly know reveal. I don't know what that trope is called at this point but it's instead of like a whodunit you're you're really just waiting to the end to see all the stuff that the movie couldn't actually weave together in any kind of sensible way so they just cram it at the end saw kind of this one does that too in its own way i don't know like i think there's there's i don't think this property is tapped and i think the way this movie tried to do it where it is a it's an extension of the universe without it being directly influenced by Kramer or Kramer's in like direct influence. Yeah. Um, so it's, it is a standalone kind of franchise. You don't have to have seen all of the saw movies or know much other than that. There was a, a serial killer who went by the name jigsaw who would trap people. And um, this one kind of plays on that. And I, I you know um, I did, I actually really liked Max. Um, Max Wingella. Mangela, which I couldn't place him for the longest time that I realized he was from the social network. That's where mm-hmm. I know him the yep. most. Um, 
but I, I really, I thought he was good in this. And I, I, Chris Rock, I had a couple issues. I, I don't, I didn't buy the Sam Jackson as Chris Rock's dad. Element. That felt like let's get let's get a big name almost right. Like, you know Sam Jackson. You like Sam Jackson? Here he is. That, that felt and, a bit like that to me. And Sam Jackson maybe had a better sense of what the movie should be, which I've I've heard that he's really good at that. And a lot of times mm-hmm. the other people around him don't seem to get that you're taking this too seriously. That's mm-hmm. why he wanted to do Snakes on a Plane because he he vibed <laughs> it as a B movie, and that's how he he went into it. And I kind of feel like he's doing that here. He's real big in this movie, right? Yeah. Like he's. He's big Sam Jackson, you know, dropping the F- MF for as much as he could. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, but then there are some other performances in this that were real bad. Uh, I'm going to point out the police captain. I think her performance feels so rehearsed and so I'm reading the script as written, even though it's bad. And I'm just going to read it as it is. And I'm taking this super seriously, even though what I'm saying sounds stupid. Mm-hmm. And. I, she's not in a lot of movies. She's, I think she's on Riverdale she's and Marisol Nichols. Yeah. She's more in television. And it is, she just, man, I, I really thought that performance was, was a hindrance, a hindrance on the film. Partly though, because the dialogue she was being asked to deliver was not written well to begin mm-hmm. with. So yeah, I, I don't want to nitpick this too much. It's not, it's not trying to be like a prestige film, but, and again, I know I've, I've, I've nitpicked a few B movies this year, with stuff like this. I just know that you can do this better and yeah. it work. And again, if you're going to go B movie, then go harder on those traps, like make those traps longer, make them don't rapid edit the trap, make us sit with it, make us wait the time out. Like mm-hmm. that's some of the other films have done that where you really have to watch them work to get free here. It's like, all right, you've got 10 seconds. It's like, Whoa, how, what, how, yeah. like, let, let's let, build the suspense. Let me be worried for this person. Or, you know, let me anticipate, like, because some of the people that they're killing, you may not be as, like, hopeful for, depending on the scenario. You might be like, well, you know what? This guy kind of deserves it. That's one of the weird things with Saw. They don't always, um, the the, peop- the punishments are, sometimes you're just like, well, that guy is kind of awful. Um, <laughs> I thought, like, what was um, Escape Room uh, from a couple years ago? I thought was a much better version of this type of movie. It wasn't trying to be a cop drama, but as far as like mm-hmm. the saw trap kind of like murders and deaths, I thought they did a pretty good job. The ending didn't land as well as it could have, but I thought mm-hmm. the movie itself was a lot of fun. This one, I, I was definitely like when there wasn't the kill thing going on, I was more annoyed with the bad dialogue and the, the yeah. forced attempt of storytelling. And some of the things they, they do jump a lot with logic. Like there's stuff where I'm like, wait, why, how did that happen? Like, where was the window of time? Or this person went missing or whatever, you know, and that was a, uh, the stuff like that was frustrating, but. Nope. I, you know, we, we both said the same thing. There is that people come to see saw films. Let's not beat around. People go to see saw films for the traps. Um, mm-hmm. And we recognize that. I, I quite liked the traps in this JB wasn't as hot, um, but, but we both, yeah, looked at that, the dialogue and how cookie cutter it all felt of the police section. And well, that just felt generic and it, it, it had that been polished because the script was polished up. I think Chris Rock actually had a, had a go on it, but um, had they beefed that out a little bit and maybe just taken a bit more time with it again, let, lest it be to, for me to tell someone how to write a script. But yeah, you can tell though that it just feels, it feels like, you know, like you said, they, they've watched it, but they've been watching some, some cop stuff on TV. They've got it into their mind. that This is what cops say and how cops act to each other. And you've got to have a certain, uh, certain selection of, 
caricatures within this department and they're kind of they're there and it doesn't feel real and the film is clearly aiming for a realistic vibe as much as possible there is again jarring tones in the film but you can tell it's really is trying to aim for this gritty realistic take but it it shoots itself in the foot by making the department and the, the cops and the police so just diluted it's not very interesting i mean again i didn't mind chris rock mac mingella is fine um and as for the rest of them i did have to look up their names afterwards so i couldn't remember what the characters are called but i that that was my biggest downfall from the film as well like i mentioned was was that but again i'm not gonna lie i didn't dislike this film when i was watching it i thought yeah this is good i, well, I say this is good this isn't bad is what i thought this wasn't bad i wasn't bored during it I wasn't ever. I wasn't thrilled during it, but I was a few times. I was thinking, "That's oh, oh no, no!" Kind of put myself in the situation and think, "I don't, I don't fancy that whatsoever." But um, I, I wasn't as down on it as you. But I, I will concede the point that I can see why a lot of people are not up on this film, and I think a lot of people would be disappointed because the film has been marketed by Lionsgate and the Saw social media team as a bold innovative new direction for the franchise and it isn't they tried with the gritty realistic cop drama but in the end it did still feel like a sore film and i wish they'd leaned in hev- harder on the police thriller a- aspect of the film but um i wasn't so down at it though man yeah uh you know um i i was visibly frustrated at least once or twice in the movie where like I, I like bent it forward and like threw my hands in the air, just like what? Why? God and I, yeah. I will uh, wait and explain why maybe later on in a spoiler conversation because I don't want to get into anything that could be spoiler. But yeah, I, again, not it wasn't the worst experience I could have seen. But I also I wouldn't like encourage people to rush out to see this movie. Like it's it's a mm-hmm. catch it when it's on HBO. Definitely, you want to watch it where it's unedited because the if you're watching a saw movie, you want the gore. Like that's why you're. I imagine while you're watching that kind of a film, you're not like, Ooh, the characters like it's like, no, no. Um, although I got to give props to the old song. The guy who plays Kramer is a yeah. solid actor. Like I always bought into him. Like even when like, this, yeah, I, I thought he was like a really good kind of like, I, he's not technically the leading man until like the second film, but, um, presence. I thought, I thought he gives a, a yes. He has a really menacing presence, but also like this kind of. You could totally understand why some of the people would think, "Oh, this guy knows what he's talking about." Like why they would buy into his philosophies. Yeah, yeah. Like this, there's like a gravitas to his his presence, you know. Um, and definitely, like you could hear the conviction to his beliefs. Like he, even if what you're, even if you think what he's doing is crazy, the way he talks about it, you're just like, well, he's clearly thought this through, you know. And it's like that's the scary part, right? Like that he could trap people into this scenario like not just literally trap them but like convince them to see his perspective and yep. that w- is what made him really good and i think max um Mingella. And, and rock and uh and, and you know they they bring like a little bit of baggage because you know them as who they are right you've seen <laughs> them in other movies and i didn't know that actor like yeah you know no, you're right from other stuff and it, it, he was he became that character and that that's not always the case, but sometimes when, when you're trying to build um, a new franchise, having fresh faces instead of these iconic ones, make it easier to kind of buy into. Cause again, 
if someone else was doing the Forrest Gump bit, I w- maybe I'm not thinking it's Chris Rock, but I've seen a lot of Chris Rock stand up. I like yeah. Chris Rock stand up. So I immediately like, this is just him doing stand up. What's happening? Like, why is he doing stand up in this movie? And it felt um, like that. Yeah. And so, you know, um, and again, it's not, I'm not even criticizing the stand up. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying it didn't fit with his character or in this movie um, at all. Uh, even if, if maybe if they had, that had been like a backstory of like him early in his career when he had a sense of humor before everything went you know, wild. I might have bought it, but it was supposed to be minutes before. And I'm like, nope, not this guy. This guy does not tell jokes. Like, there's yeah. no way this dude's riffing on Forrest Gump, you know. But nevertheless, that's enough of Spiral. I'm spiraling out of control myself. Ah, uh, there we go. We're caught in a trap. Um, as JB mentioned earlier on, listen out for, uh, look out for our spoiler thoughts. We are going to be dropping a separate episode. Um, for the most part, probably for most episodes, where we give like 10 minutes of our spoiler a pit filled opinions because like, especially a film like this, we want to go into some of the traps and that but we don't want to spoil it for you. Keep your eye out on the podcast feed. We will put out, we will drop something on the socials. We will be putting out our spoiler thoughts for this, uh, in the next few days. So keep your eyes out for that. I, I, I recommend going to watch this film. If you like the Saw films, otherwise like JB said, I mean, it's probably going to be like something like Hulu. It's a Lionsgate film, but wait for it to come out and stream and otherwise, but, um that though is our non-spoiler thoughts on spiral so we'll now move on to our next section which is simply called chuffed headlines uh and it's here that john and myself we pick uh, a one movie or pop culture news headline that's caught our attention in the past seven days for whatever reason and we enlighten you and the other co-host i.e me and john about it so john what on earth have you picked this week so I I am an AT and T cell phone customer for far too long. Um, mm-hmm. I I've been with them when they were singular, and then they were AT and T, and then they were singular again, um, and then they were AT and T again. And uh, this is not about their phone service, but um, because I have their phone service, I get I got the benefit of HBO Max like immediately. It was included with my cell phone. And um, two years ago, they bought Time Warner Media or Warner Media or whatever. And apparently uh, that was not the best call for them because now they're selling their Warner Media stuff to uh, Discovery is or Discover. No, Discovery. Discovery, um, yeah. Which is the, the network. They just had their app launch like a month or two ago. Uh, I don't know if anyone got their streaming service, but it, they it has like Food Network content and uh, original stuff. It has all of the Discovery channel type stuff. And I think there's a few other um, things that fall in maybe Home and Garden TV and I don't know what all is on their app, but apparently now uh, this was hatched in secret, according to the New York Times article that you can uh, click on the show notes. I got to admit, I am not super business savvy when it comes to this kind of stuff. So I I had a hard time fully understanding what was happening with the article. There's a lot of things to me. The writers are assuming that someone reading this is definitely more acclimated to the like the inner runnings of big corporations. I don't understand it. I wasn't sure who was buying who for a minute. Um, I didn't think AT&T would be allowed to buy anybody else because they almost weren't allowed to buy Time Warner two years ago. Yeah. Um, so I guess Discover is taking all of that from AT&T, which makes me a little nervous because in my opinion, HBO Max is the best streaming service out there as mm-hmm. far as the quality of content. I don't think there's a better streaming service for what you can watch on HBO Max. Um, and I, we're not paid to say that. We're not sponsored by HBO Max. Which but we were. We, we have, yeah, for real, but we have basically between the two of us, like every streaming service that's available yeah. 
for the most part. Like I don't have the discover one yet, but I, I might have to get it apparently if they're at all going to be merged together. No, there's no official plans on what, how it's going to look. It might be that we don't even notice that it changes. Um, it might be that they all become one, which would be my guess because that's what you saw with like, um, uh, Peacock has been doing that. Yep. Um, they, they pulled the WWE network and merged it into the Peacock uh, app. Um, I think you're going to see that happen more and more. And eventually, all of us who left cable, we're just going to end up paying the same amount of money for streaming services is what it looks like. Um, maybe a little cheaper, but then they just seem to raise the internet rate. So it's whatever it all, they, they have us, especially here in the States, they have us on a uh, financial lockdown. Um, but uh, it's a big deal um, because, you know, AT&T got a lot of, well, Warner brothers who is now owned by AT&T got a lot of backlash for their plan this year to drop all of their movies same day at HBO that they get theatrical mm-hmm. releases, which I will be talking about one of those movies in, in our next segment. Um, but so w- they were already kind of on the hot seat with a lot of directors. So I don't know what this is, how this is going to make them like these directors like Nolan, who's almost exclusively worked with Warner brothers at this point, mm-hmm. uh, how he's going to feel about shifting over. Maybe he'll be happier with discovery. I, I was a little surprised that discovery was big enough to be able to take on so much. Um, like, it seems like it's a lot for them to merge with. Uh, but obviously it's, they're all big mogul companies and I just don't fully understand their, their setup, but I, it's a, it's a big deal for consumers. I I'm curious to see how this is going to end up looking on the streaming services. Are we going to get HBO max just adding in all the discovery stuff? Or are they going to do the opposite and pull HBO max into the discovery? Are they going to remain two separate apps? I, I'm very curious to see what this will look like if it gets approved by our government and all of that. But um, and maybe because you still don't have HBO Max, I think th- there is a date right for uh, when it's supposed to launch in the UK. Oh man, it could it could be a little while because it's it's all down to obviously contracts of people with other streaming services with Sky Cinema and Sky in general, and um, a lot of red tape and bureaucracy, which is well way over my head. But it may not be next. It may not be next year. Maybe the year after. I'm hoping it's next year though. But damn. I want it, man. Like you say, the depth of HBO Max, not even just with, with anything new coming out, but just the depth of stuff on offer there. The Disney Plus is great, but yeah. HBO covers so much stuff, and Netflix and Prime, obviously, but, man, what Warner Brothers and HBO and AT&T are offering over there is great. Add in, if if it's if this is your drive, add in what Discovery can offer, obviously the, the, the nature shows, the cooking shows, reality shows, home improvement, all of that, which are very, very popular um shows afternoon shows evening shows and suddenly warner brothers and at&t have or whatever they're going to call it warner discovery is looking like a real real player in streaming because it's not just it it's to me it kind of changes the boundaries of what streaming is because to me streaming's always been like a original series and you know maybe like maybe a selection of films but now we're getting with discovery or getting those reality TV shows and all the subgenres they cover. Yeah. And it will feel more like a cable channel almost in it within itself. And how it, whether it changes anything down the line, I don't know, but it needs to be, um, obviously needs to be accepted first, but it's a big deal if it goes through. And I do think it is, I think it will give, um, Warner HBO and everyone behind it. Some real heft in the streaming wars. Agreed. Uh, well, there we go. There's that. If it goes through, then we'd like to say you heard it here first, but it's not a BAMP exclusive, sadly. But uh, interesting nonetheless. 
Uh, I've gone for something a little bit, a little bit more, well, easy to discuss. And it revolves around the Knives Out 2 cast, the casting for the upcoming Ryan Johnson sequel to Knives Out. I, I hope it's not called Knives Out 2. I'm not sure. Same. I'm sure it won't do, but uh, have knives, nothing to do with knives at no, all, right? Like, knives outer <laughs> of something, but no, it would be called something else. But uh, we obviously know that uh, Daniel Craig has returned as Benoit Blanc, and after the stellar cast for the first film, well, Ryan Johnson's been uh, racking up quite the cast here, and the latest to join is Leslie Odom Jr. from Hamilton, from One Night in Miami, who was so so good, Oscar nominated Leslie Odom Jr. nonetheless. Is joining the cast for Knives Out. That and Knives Out too. That in ex- itself is enough to make me think, okay, that's cool. He's a shown already what a talent he is. But add that to Janelle Monet, who was very recently um, added to the cast as well. Edward Norton, Catherine Hahn, Dave Batista, uh, and of course Daniel Craig as well. And this cast is filling out again, my friend. It's a different. That this cast feels different to the original Knives Out, which is mm-hmm. good. I don't want them to just right. repeat the same feel. And already there's a much different flavor and a much different vibe to this, but they're getting some real talent. But seeing Leslie Odom Jr. now added, I'm excited because I, I think I, I really liked him in one night in Miami as Sam Cook. He was just wonderful in that film. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. Amazon prime. Um, but he's Ryan Johnson and Ram Bergman and all are going to be directing him in this whodunit. And I, so looking, Knives Out was one of my favourite films of 2019 when it came out. It feels like it was older than that, but it wasn't. Well, it was. I, I haven't got a bad thing to say about that film, so I yeah. can't wait for Knives Out two anyway. But seeing this cast, dude, is getting me more and more pumped by the day. And then the most recent one, Odom Junior. Come on, just, just give me the film, man. Is, are you excited by that cast or even the uh, sequel? I, I am the only part of the cast that I'm worried about is Edward Norton and only because I've heard he's a pain to work with. Mm-hmm. So I hope he doesn't bring this movie down or like, you know, make Ryan hate directing or something like that. But, but I'm, a, I'm my a, worry. And so he's like an on-screen worry, right? Like more so like, cause he can be very good, but he can also be very bad. It just seems Stupid. to depend. I think Johnson's a good enough director where that won't be an issue. Yeah. Um, but Norton's ego could be an issue. And I hope mm-hmm. not. I, I like Norton in a lot of stuff and I could, um, I actually could see either him or Leslie Odom Jr. Potentially playing like a counter to Benoit Blanc. Like yeah. the, uh, um, oh man. Uh, I can't think of Holmes's counter all of a sudden. Oh, Watson. I, no, no, no. Watson's the partner. Um, the, the, an- oh, the, the anti Holmes dude. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, uh, uh, let's have a look. Sure. Any other time Holmes would have that in a heartbeat. Uh, Moriarty. Moriarty. Moriarty, not Arsene Lupin. Okay, yeah. Um, and I, I could see, like, Odom. Odom kind of plays that role in Hamilton as, uh, um, uh, I'm not going to remember the historical figure's name, so I will just let that slide. But, um, you know, Odom to, to Alexander Hamilton in that is that kind of dynamic. So I've seen him do that. And Norton definitely can always play the 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 counter, right? Like, you see him do it in Italian Job, and he does it in a, well, several other movies. I could easily put him up against because both of them play these like really great intelligent type characters. And I could see either of them being like the rival to Benoit Blanc, which would be a really cool sequel movie where it's like they're competing over a case, you know, um, and Batista being the muscle figure, right? Like that's what mm-hmm. he would do, which this, it should be noted. He's worked with Craig before, I believe Skyfall. He's uh, it, maybe it's not Skyfall. Maybe it's Spectre. I think it's Spectre. 
um, that he's like one of the the big henchmen guys with uh, Spectre. Wasn't Skyfall, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Skyfall is a good one. Spectre was uh, so atrocity. Um, so yeah, but yeah, I'm I'm all in on this. I I love this idea very much. Um, I I'm so hopeful of these movies, and I love that Netflix is doing it because I think they're going to give Ryan Johnson like tons of freedom, which I'm all in on. Like I I love Brick. I, I know mm-hmm. that's kind of up and down with some people, but. Uh, I know that Johnson cares about this property a lot, and I love that he's going to yeah. have like freedom to do this. So I'm all in. Yeah, man. I, I'm every single one of Ryan Johnson's films, every single one I have thought is at least very good, if not great. So I still gotta got to watch Brothers Bloom. I like Brothers I Bloom. That's one I'd call is you know it's good, or, or at least you know to me, what Ryan is able to do with it is makes it fun what elevates what could be an otherwise ho-hum kind of film, but uh, good performances in that. But I thought the Brothers Bloom was, was pretty good. And it's a nice kind of stepping up, jumping off point for where we'd eventually get to with something like Knives Out. So I've got no reason to think Knives Out 2 won't be a success for all the reasons we've mentioned. Plus, you know, Ryan's given me no reason to doubt. So, um, well, that's our headlines for this week. And now we move on to media consumption and the clues in the title, all the media we've been consuming over the last seven days, whether it be movies, TV, video games, music, podcasts, which we don't run, or anything that we've used to pass the times from episode to episode. So, John, take us away with what you've been checking out. So, as per usual, I'll start with the Blank Check podcast. Uh, this week, they're, they're in the John Singleton um, miniseries. Mm-hmm. And so it was his second movie, uh, Poetic Justice, which I have not seen in a long time. Um, but I did see, uh, when I was younger, I was a big Tupac Shakur fan when I was in middle school and high school. Um, so I, anything he was in, I tended to see, I think there's maybe one movie of his I haven't seen, but, um, I did see poetic justice. I, I don't remember it very well, but listening to the podcast was a good reminder of some scenes and I kind of want to revisit, uh, all of them so far, but, um, it's a good episode. It's a, it's a little long, which is if you're a blank check fan, you know that that's their MO and we get excited when they're too long. Cause we know it's going to be a lot of fun conversation. Um, and then, uh, I watched the most recent episode of mighty ducks, mighty ducks, game changers. And we got two more left having a blast with that. Um, definitely, uh, I'm excited to see how the series will end. Um, then I've watched some movies. I actually caught more movies than I realized, but, um, so let's break this down. I watched, uh, it's a mad, 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 mad world. I might have too many mads. I don't remember the right Not number. Enough mads. <laughs> Dude, it, I watched the three hour version cause there's like four or five different versions that exist apparently. Uh, <laughs> with a three hour one's the shortest one to watch. I, I have, I have not, um, no, there's a two hour and like 20 minute version apparently. Okay. Uh, but I had not, um, I knew about this movie, but I had not, I didn't know hardly anything. I didn't realize how many freaking crazy cameos were in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of by coincidence, this is one of those films where a lot of knockoffs exist. And I've never seen the knockoffs either. I've never watched um, rat race. I think maybe cannonball run is in the same vibe. Um, there's one same other one that uh, there's another one that I've not seen. So somehow I, I was able to kind of go in this unsullied. And so like it kind of worked for me in that way. Um, the humor doesn't all, work uh but <laughs> like there's some crazy stunts in that movie that i was just like wow that's that's nuts that they did that in at this time because there's no computers in this this is all like if you see a car flip over a car flipped over you know what i'm saying like it is pretty crazy uh some of the things they did in this movie um then uh i watched for movie club 
we are doing music documentaries. I talked about Dig last week. This week we watched Gimme Shelter. Cool. Which okay. I picked on accident because when I was picking the movies, I knew that Martin Scorsese had done a Rolling Stones documentary and this was on a list and it was a Rolling Stones documentary. So I was like, oh, this must be the Martin Scorsese one. It is not. Um, his is much more recent. Uh, it's from a few years ago. He did a, or like maybe 10 years ago, he did one on the Rolling Stones. I'm not a big Rolling Stones fan, but I had heard of this particular concert and didn't realize that it was this documentary. So it was a pretty telling doc. Uh, I was stunned at parts of it um, and seeing the story. And of course, I was most familiar with the story because of Cable Guy, because yep. Jim Carrey sings a song and directly references this. And I, I'd known that line forever, had no real context to it, didn't know what the hell it was. So um, give me shelter solid doc you can hear Corey and i talk about that on our episode movie club um i watched stowaway which is the netflix uh four person film literally only four cast members tony collette anna kendrick um daniel day kim and i'm gonna forget the new guy's name because i think he is a newcomer overall uh Stowaway, i really like the movie uh, it's getting like lukewarm reviews i was really into it it's it's very like grounded sci-fi because it's just a few years into the future kind of thing it's got like Martian gravity vibes, but in some ways it's better because it doesn't, it doesn't go for melodrama or for like schlocky humor or uh, some of the other sci-fi tropes. It, it's very grounded and mm-hmm. uh, very human centric. I really enjoyed it quite a bit. Definitely recommend it. I think you'll like it, Matt. Sweet. Um, I'll check it out then. After I saw uh, Spiral, um, I came home and I bought, uh, we have these like vending machines called red boxes here. Yeah. And every once in a while they, the movies, they'll sell the movies. And there was a sale for like most of their Blu-rays and DVDs were four ninety nine, or I'm sorry, three ninety nine this weekend. So I bought like four movies and one of them was love and monsters that yep. had caught my attention. I'd seen it. I'd seen like people say it was good and I've been wanting to get it. I just hadn't bothered. I love that movie yes. like, so much. And if you haven't seen it, can't <laughs> recommend it enough. It is Zombieland, but with, like, instead of zombies, it's really cool monsters. It's like a what-if kind of thing. And if you've ever played the game Fallout, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of Fallout vibes to this because, like, they start, they're in a shelter, and he decides it's time to leave this shelter and go into the world of kind of crazy monsters that have happened because of radioactivity, essentially. Like, very much has a Fallout kind of vibe to it. And, uh, but Dylan O'Brien, right? That's, I think. Yes, I bet. I mean, I like the Maze Runner trilogy, um, and I, I didn't love American assassin, but I liked him, him and Michael Keaton were in it. Cause I like mm-hmm. Michael Keaton a lot, but this, this dude, man, he's so good in this movie. And actually most of the performances are really good. Even though a lot of them are people you probably haven't seen anything. Um, but, uh, man, I, I had such a good time with this movie. I think it is severe, maybe not underrated, but underseen. So if you get a chance to watch love and monsters, I definitely recommend, it. I think it has a 70 metascore though, just to give you, a little little credence to like my claims it's other yep. critics also think this movie is just really well done um it's super fun too that's the other thing it's i cried like three times during the movie like it's a Dude, it's got it I'm has great characters um yeah really really into it i'm so glad i bought it because i i love it like i'm telling everyone who listened to me about this movie because i'm just like it's not enough people have seen this like you got to watch it it's so much fun. like if you at all like godzilla versus kong this is a better movie yeah you said about that yeah (laughs) yeah like it's got similar vibes because it's like monsters destroying the world but man does it have actual characters that have goals and ambitions and even some of the like the kind of cringy looking tropes where it's like the guy's pursuing a girl or making decisions for a girl not really considering her feelings 
like the way it, it kind of navigates that is is I think I think good. I could be wrong. I am a dude. Maybe I'm still wrong. I just think it navigates a lot of that pretty well and uh, kind of addresses some of the the toxic sides to it in a very loose way. Like it's not like preachy or anything like that, but it's just like, oh yeah, I didn't really think about that. That's a good point. And I just, man, love the monsters. Check it out. It's real good. Um, and then I mentioned uh, the last movie I, I watched um, is one that just came to theaters and HBO Max. And it's the new Angelina Jolie. Really, it's also a John Bernthal secret movie that they don't advertise, I don't think at all. Uh, but Those Who Wish Me Dead. Ooh. Um, it also has Aiden, um, is it Gillian? Uh, Aiden Little Gillian, Peter. yep. Nicholas Holt. And Nicholas Holt, who... I almost didn't recognize for the first 30 seconds. Cause he's like, I didn't realize how tall he was, but like next <laughs> to Aiden, he's a giant. Like Aiden looks like a little shrimp and um, they're supposed to be twins. That might be the worst part of the movie. I know you don't have to be identical to be twins. I am aware of that. Danny DeVito, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. And again, I get it's not all twins are identical, but when you hear, or more importantly, when you read the word twins in a synopsis to a film, you don't expect Nicholas Holt and Aiden Gillen to be <laughs> not to mention Gillen's trying real hard not to have his, I don't know if it's Irish. He's Irish, or he's Irish yeah. 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 He's trying real hard not to have it, but it's there. Like it's still there. And Nicholas Holt does not have it. So it's like twin towel. Well, in what way are you twins? There's, there's an age difference as well as a height difference. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, none of it, none of it came off as twins, but um, I actually thought it was a better movie than I, w- I was expecting it to be. Uh, it's, very much like in the vein of cliffhanger yeah um okay like not it so it feels like it's misplaced and that's not my original thought i've seen other critics say things it's like it feels like a 90s action movie there's some stuff in it that's stupid and i ty sheridan wrote it taylor like, sheridan directs it taylor, that's what i'm that's what i meant taylor sorry ty is the other kid yeah. uh taylor yeah wrote and directed this because he just did um we just talked about his other writing credit from like two weeks ago uh without remorse Yep. He has a credit Ooh. on that. Yeah. Ooh. And so apparently Hell or High Water and um, um, Wind. Uh, Wind River were maybe Luck uh, and Sicario <laughs> because it's not it's not poorly written, but it's also it's very tropish. It, again, it literally could just be cliffhanger. It's just in, it's forest fires instead of mountain climbing. It's very much just like she has a tragic past. She's trying to overcome. She finds the opportunity to overcome it. Um, but uh, th- I'm not going to spoil that movie at all, but there, this movie, I, I mentioned the fire. She's a firefighter. She specifically fights like forest fires. There's this whole thing about the forest fires. And I know that lightning is often a cause of those forest fires. However, the way this movie chooses to use lightning is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost as if Raiden, the God of thunder has an, a, a vendetta against Angelina Jolie's character and, in two, not one, two sequences that involve lightning strikes. And I'm <sighs> like, what's happening in this movie? There's like, there's assassins, there's fire, but then there's lightning it's that nature. doesn't start the fire. That needs to be clear. <laughs> the lightning is not the cause of the fires that are in the movie. No, no. It's your the rage. Lightning, it's just attacking Angelina Jolie's character in two different sequences not explained in a way that I thought justified it happening, but I still thought the movie was fine. Like despite, that, I still was like, <laughs> it's still very watchable. It's a very watchable 
background action movie. If you have HBO Max, there's no reason not to check it out. I think Jolie's good. I'm a big Bernthal fan. I tend to like him in most things. He even he doesn't get his full level of monologue that he often seems to be contracted to mm-hmm. do, but he gets <laughs> enough of a monologue. And I, I really enjoy his monologues. I think he's really good at giving monologues. I have taught his monologues in my classes um, because of me and Earl and the dying girl, but I, it's, it's a, he's a actor whose monologue style is very specific to him. He does it the same way in every movie but or every works. show as it works. Exactly. He, he, he has a, a buildup to when you can tell he's about to go into a monologue that he does all these physical things and like positions himself in a very specific way, but it just works. It hits that drama and character thing so well. Um, big fan of him. And so I, I thought the movie was pretty solid. So that's what I've been watching. What about you, Matt? Well, not a bad list. The, those who wish me dead is out at the cinema. If you are watching in the United Kingdom. So based on John's recommendation, Maybe go watch it then. The Eleven Monsters was great. I'm glad you liked that. I gave that a high score because it gave me a, almost everything I wanted from a film in that vein. I I loved it. And uh, Jess Hen- Jessica Henwick, who is the, the 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 lead female in the lead actress, she was uh, the one of the final two character uh, actresses up for the role of Ray in the Force Awakens, which of course went oh, to Daisy wow. Ridley. So, and she said afterwards that she felt really down for a few months because. You know, what a chance that could have been to lead a Star Wars film. She was eventually cast in The Force Awakens as one of the X-Wing pilots, uh, Jess Parver. So she was in that film, but um, mm. how different things could have been. But uh, Jess Gamewick's a great actress, and she's going to go do good things, which she already has been. Uh, she was in Underwater beginning of last year, which I thought was fine. Um, what have I been watching? I started watching Mighty Ducks Game Changers. I was the first four episodes over the weekend based on your recommendation and based on my brothers and the fact that I love hockey and I enjoy the Mighty Ducks as well. Um, and also when you said about uh, Gordon Bombay, uh, Emilio Estevez coming back as this kind of like gr- roughed up, gr- sort of older, grizzlier version. I thought, I'm in. And um, no, you're not wrong. Uh, <laughs> um, Gordon Bombay doesn't like hockey to start with, but uh, no, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. I haven't watched the remainders yet, not because I dislike it, but I just ran out of time. But I'm going to try and pick up on it tomorrow, I think. But I've enjoyed the first four episodes so far, my friend. Um, I I can't say I don't dislike any of it. It's one of those film um, film series to me where you might be able to see what's coming from a mile off. But I, we could say the same almost about Ted Lasso. And look how much we enjoyed that. And I know how much you're enjoying Mighty Ducks and how much my brother is. And I'm enjoying it too. So I'm looking forward to uh, catching up with John. And chatting about it more so in the spoilery fashion at some point. Um, and hopefully it sticks to landing at the end. So I've been enjoying that. I watched episode three of the Bad Batch Star Wars animated series. Mm. Really, really, really like the third episode as well. Surprising how much I'm enjoying this. Funny coming from a guy as a Star Wars podcast, but I just thought, oh, the Bad Batch, you know, it'll be, a bit, it'll be fine. A bit of, bit of dispensable fun on a Friday and then I'll move on. I'm really enjoying what they're doing with it. And I had no, oh, I really nice. didn't think I would. Um, but they, the, the the time it's set and how they're using the, you know, the empires eventually going to phase the clones out with stormtroopers and the politics of the galaxy. That's more, that's more at the forefront than the action, which I'd never thought would be the case. And I'm digging it. But uh, as I said last week, Bad Batch, if you know anything about Star Wars or you like the animated series or the Clone Wars, or you just want something new to watch, check it out you may like it if you do let me know if you don't let john know um in terms of films i haven't really been watching many films this weekend because i had a busy weekend i was down at the folks 
this weekend and it was my uh, wonderful daughter's fifth birthday as well this weekend. So I've um, been busy uh, listening to Frozen songs and eating plenty of cake and um, party food, which I'm never going to say no to. So um, obviously I watched Spiral, of course. But I watched Jurassic Park because that was on television over here. It's always on TV. It doesn't have to be sad. And every night Jurassic Park is on, at least one of them. So when Jurassic Park goes on, I'm not turning it off. I sat and watched the whole thing again, and I loved it just as much. And Sam Neill's character has ruined for me Dr. Alan Grant because I've seen him in so many other films recently, like Possession, uh, Event Horizon, In the Mouth of Madness, where he's just playing strange characters in strange films. And now I watch him in Jurassic Park and I see some of the ticks used in his other films and I think, oh, suddenly he seems quite sinister. So, um, But no, nothing could ever ruin Jurassic Park for me. The Exorcist, the greatest film of all time. I was at my mum and dad's house at the weekend and I was like, well, you know what? It's quite early. I say early, it's about about 10 o'clock. I "I want something to watch. I feel like watching something that is a masterpiece, something that has no flaws. I'll put The Exorcist on. So I watched that again for the 15th time this week. And I've been using my uh, video game rental system, Boomerang. I completed Resident Evil Village, as I mentioned last week. Um, smashed that out had a really really good time with that um, and I've now had The Last of Us 2 sent to me um, also Boomerang if you're listening also sponsor us wonderful service as soon as I received Resident Evil back within minutes The Last of Us was dispatched next day I had it fantastic service wow. but The Last of Us 2 I'm about 5 hours through and I'm aware that's about a 20-25 hour game so I know I'm kind of barely scratched the surface but yeah, I'm not going to spoil it for those who haven't played it, but I really like the first game. I really like the story of the first game and Joel and Ellie and everything around them. And I'm really liking this second game. I've I've hit a few big moments in the game, which threw me off a little bit. And now I've no idea where we're going from here, and I'm so excited to keep playing. So uh, it's yeah. a big it's a big undertaking. I know it's like the prestige game for PlayStation Four, um, and I can't wait to finally a year later finish it off. So. The Last of I, Us 2, I'm enjoying that. You played that, didn't you? I did, yeah. I love that game. Uh, a lot of people hated on that game, and I didn't understand oh, why. why. Um, yeah, well, uh, yeah, the the mm. why is not always great. Um, but I, I enjoyed that game so much, and um, there's some new mechanics to the gameplay that I also really, I, I ended up enjoying. It took a minute for some of them, but once I got through it, um, I, I I just had a blast playing it. it is, it's a stressful game at times. But it's it's man, it looks great. The story's really compelling. Yeah, I definitely, definitely glad you're playing it. Oh man, I've got so many more games on the list, so I've got so many to get through. Yeah, there was a moment again, no spoilers if you played. I was up against about five clickers or four or five clickers in this kind of like abandoned mm-hmm. library. I had two bullets. I was like, right, oh, well, uh, so I went, I, it took me about nine or ten times because I was like, well, how can I do this? Yeah, of course, you can stealth attack, but. As soon as I crouched, I was like, they've seen me. And my, the person I, in in game who I'm with just kept running out. And I'm like, just get back here and crouch down for God's sake. <laughs> um, so I f- eventually got there. And I remember just pausing the game, jumping up and fist pumping. And that's, and that's why I love games as well, because it makes you feel that. But yeah, Last of Us 2, man, I'm really looking forward to talking about that with you in more depth when I've actually got further into the game. But um well, that is our media consumption section there. If you guys have seen any of those films or if any thoughts or the games, let us know. Um, but now we come to the end of our show. And, you know, the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast is in itself bloody awesome. But as hosts, we feel we're kind of, we feel 
you know, like we need to be at the same level as the show itself. So we have to find ways to stay bloody awesome uh, week on week, episode to episode. So, John, what on earth have you done this week to stay bloody awesome? Well, literally, the t- today was the last day for my seniors. Um, mm-hmm. I had some yesterday and a, cu- a couple of my, like, a few seniors that are in the IB program, they got out a couple weeks earlier because they have exams for two weeks um, before the end of their time. But um, today was my, my film three uh, last, my film three honors last day, uh, mm-hmm. 10 students who I've had for all four years. And um, this year, obviously being a little different because I've barely seen them um, as they've, most of them opted for online this year. Um, a couple did come in today, uh, even though they didn't have to. Um and it, it's, it's always emotional in a good way. And, you know, we, I, I've worked with these students for a long time and I've, you know, they came in and they were 14. Now they're 18, you know, so I've seen them grow up basically over four years and uh, I've watched them learn. And uh, for me, um, I was very close with my class last year, but this year I'm also very close with, but also I, I I feel like this group got the best version of me as a teacher. Um, they were the a year after I started Burke reviews. Um, and I really had put all of my effort into learning about film. And so I think this is my best, uh, well, my first like best version of me as a film teacher. And so seeing like where they've come, like their, their final exam today was, uh, they, they had a week to pick a movie. They had five movies to choose from. Um, and then they had an analytical essay and they had, five different ways they could analyze like they could analyze for theme or they could analyze for uh, genre. They can analyze uh, a specific um, scene uh, like break down how they, the filmmaker chose and, and depending on the person, they all pick different kind of approaches and seeing them express themselves in, in so in such articulate ways, especially um, one of my students uh, moonlight was one of the choices and um her take on moonlight and how the the moonlight itself in the movie at night how the characters reveal their true selves was like a revelation to me like i had never picked up on that clear it's it's in the subtext without any doubt but i never really analyzed it that way and it just made me so proud that i was again it's her own thoughts but it's using skills that i've taught over the four years really coming coming out and um, if any of you are listening to this, know how proud I am of all the stuff that you've accomplished and grateful that I got to have all of you for four years. Um, so that was me saying bloody awesome this week. Um, but real quick, Matt, uh, one of the last things we did before the bell rang today, I asked them like over four years, we've watched a bunch of movies together. <laughs> what was your, what were some of your favorites and what were some of your least favorites? Oh, right? Nice. They cut me deep on a few, Matt. Um, there's like, and this one's going to hurt you. There was at least five of them that said La La Land was the worst movie I showed them. God damn, it's just shows PG. God damn it. I, and I'm like, I'm like, wait, what? Like La La Land. Um, and it wasn't like the damn. worst, but they started, they started kind of like the ones that they didn't click with. A lot of them didn't click with musicals kind of in general. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of them said that thing you do, which crushed me because I love that thing Man. you do. And I was just like, how do you not enjoy that movie? Kids. Um, it was kind of a consensus that the, uh, original Godzilla film, which I, t- I taught a few years ago, um, what it was a good movie, but not one they want to watch again. Cause it was a mm-hmm. little, it's a little dull and like, you know, but it's, they, they appreciate it as an artifact of cinema more so yeah, than yeah. the film itself, which I like that they were able to articulate that though, that they could say like, they literally use like the term, like, no, it's an important thing we should know about 
but it's kind of boring. And I'm like, you know what? You're not entirely wrong. There's parts of that movie that are a little slow. A bit Um, like 2001. There I said it. Yeah. Yeah. For it's 2001 (laughs) is not for everybody, but um, yeah, it it was fun. uh, Like kind of having those conversations, but then again, they were also the movies. Some of them, some of their favorite movies are, I introduced them to Uh, this year in the last couple of weeks, I had them watch Patterson, a ghost story. Um, never rarely sometimes always and um uh for the farewell right like they all watch those a couple of really happy upbeat films there yeah we ended on a positive (laughs) note um but a couple of people really hated a ghost story but majority of my Mm. my group of 10 uh were was really into it and that surprised me i was very proud of that see that being the most divisive not uh that the other films are uh again like joyrides obviously something like never really is heavy as but the ghost story is a different type of film to those where yeah it's you very can avant-garde watch that. it's it's, yeah. it's it's avant-garde it's pure art house it's you watch yeah. it and you're going to know within seconds and especially when you get to the the seam of the pie you're going to think well, yes what the hell is this all about uh, it worked and, for me and you though but and i was very pleased at how many of them love patterson because that is a that is just yes. a movie that clicks for me so much and i love that um their assessment for patterson was that they had to write their own poem and they had like, I had five or six different formats. Like you could do like three haikus or whatever, but at the same time, like about Patterson. So like, you're, you're telling me your thoughts on the movie through poetry. Cause I thought that was a cool tie into the film. So, um, I got Small some innovative line. stuff there. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, they've been a great group. It's always sad, but always also invigorating to see what they go on to do. I don't know if any of them will actually pursue film, um, in a career path, but I think most of them, uh, admittedly, will never look at movies the way they did before they got to my class, and I think that is my ultimate goal: is to make them better movie watchers. It's a bloody good way of staying bloody awesome, Mister Burke. And if you can, if you can impart any kind of wisdom or love of film on on anyone, then you've done a hell of a job there. And other than they, the fact that some of them just didn't dig La La Land, I'm coming for you guys. But uh, <laughs> no, in all honesty, that's a fabulous way of staying bloody awesome, and um, it's a big pat on the back for yourself that you can get so much out of teaching this group of uh, students well for so long so um well done my man well done um my bloody awesome is a lot shorter it was in fact about 20 seconds but um yeah let me finish it was i i went for the first vaccine first covid vaccination today uh the first pfizer shot um in my left arm which throughout the day i haven't felt any adverse effects and even now i'm not but a few times during this, sometimes I get animated when I'm talking and my arms are going everywhere. And I'm like putting my left arm up and I'm like, oh, I could feel it now. I could feel like they, they're kind of like the dead arm kind of syndrome. Um, uh-huh. But goddamn, they said, everyone said to me, because I hate needles with a mm. burning, fiery passion, the kind of passion which makes me go white and pass out seeing them. Um, and everyone said, look, you don't even feel it. And I thought, well, yeah, that's the kind of thing you say to someone who doesn't like needles. And I'm sitting there in the, <laughs> um, and the NHS worker, shout out to all the NHS key workers out there. What a wonderful job you're doing. Um, she was talking to me. She was saying, right, uh, she said, which arm would you like it? And I said, I'm uh, left arm because it was closest. Why not? Um, and she's saying, right, if you feel any adverse effects, take paracetamol and rest and things like that. And she's just kind of talking me through the after effects of it. And then the next thing she said was, right, uh, we've done now. So, take a seat out there 15 minutes and uh then you're free to go i said do you mean you've done i said i didn't feel anything she said no we've done i said i literally didn't feel anything they literally must have just put this needle in my in my upper arm you know put the good stuff in and take it out i did not feel a thing which is great 
So if anyone out there is worried about having it because of the pain, trust me, you don't feel anything. But um, I haven't had any adverse effects yet. I hope I won't get any. Um, wait till the second shot, though. But I'm happy to report that uh, 50% of me is vaccinated in terms of the first out of two shots. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and again, I'm not going to tell people what to do, but if you're offered it, goddamn, take it. Let's, let's, all, let's all get vaccinated and get the world back to a better place. But um, very quick, very efficient. And yeah, I'm very pleased that it's done. I, I felt really odd walking through the streets today, um, ha- having had it done. Like the whole idea of having to be vaccinated due to a worldwide pandemic still doesn't quite feel right. But I felt like this is the, the start now of the of the return I remember the the dark days back when we were doing the bampocalypse and it was all new and we ne- we hadn't any idea what we were getting ourselves into. And then the months preceding that, after that, uh, when we were re- when it when re- both of us, but people, everyone around the world, was thrown into the thick of this and generally didn't know when we were going to get seen into this. But for me personally, having had that first vaccination, I now feel like the end is in sight. It may still be a while away. But it's in sight now, you know, this this stuff's being rolled out. Mm-hmm. Things are opening up, attitudes are changing for the most part for the better. And, you know, we're on the we're on the way out of here now. Theatres are open again. So there we go as well. And, you know, so I, it made me feel bloody awesome as well. Also, because it didn't hurt. But there's the idea that, <laughs> you know, it's, it's the first step on the road back. And John wants that. I want that. And I know you will want that as well, though. Um, I've had a vaccination and JB said goodbye to his seniors. So... All in all, man, that's not a bad way of staying bloody awesome this week. Nope, nope. And welcome to the Pfizer Brotherhood, my friend. Thank you, my friend. You can uh, indoctrinate me with the uh, good stuff later on, my yes. friend. Um, but that is that then for this week's episode of the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast and our non-spoiler spiral review. As I said, check out our spoiler review in the next few days if you want to hear what we thought with a bit more of a in-depth deep dive, but a much shorter look at it. Uh, next week, though, we're, oh, next week we're coming at you. Our most watched director of 2021 at the minute is going to be Zack <laughs> Snyder. We're going to be covering Army of the Dead, which, is, of course, is coming out on Netflix at the end of this week. So we'll be covering that next week. But if you want to find us online before that, you can do at BAMP underscore podcast on Twitter. It's at B-A-M-P underscore podcast on Twitter. On Instagram, John, where are we? Bloody awesome movie pod. Uh, and if you are still using Facebook, uh, you can find us at Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. Uh, we're on there. If you want to find me online, you can do whatiwatchtonight.co.uk and what I watch tonight, all one word across all of the main socials, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterbox too. John, where are you? I am at BurkeReviews.com and at BurkeReviews on all those social media platforms. Go check out John and all the good stuff he puts out. And if you like what you've just heard, uh, and you know you've got other film-loving fans out there who have got ears, please let them know about this show and that we're just a couple of film fans and a couple of buddies who get together week on week to chat film and the pop culture news and hopefully maybe impart to you some decent films uh, to recommend in our latest segments. But if you do have a spare 30 seconds, we would really appreciate uh, five stars on your podcast provider of choice. A good review helps us grow, helps get more listeners in, and helps get more people that we can engage with. We're all film fans, so let's come together and talk film in a civil way. However, that is, as I mentioned, so as always, stay bloody awesome. And keep watching movies. Awesome! 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.